0: Uh, Jesus is good, isn't he? He's so wonderful. Oh, Jesus, you're good. Jesus, we thank you so much for the cross. We thank you so much that we're able to come to you and we're able to be one because of what you did on the cross. Thank you that we were once your enemies, but now you call us friends because of your blood that was shed. Thank you so much that you're here. Thank you for your presence. Your presence means more to us than anything else, oh Jesus. I and mean, we thank you so much for being here. Thank you that you're here. Oh Jesus. Father, I pray that the gifts that you have for each and every single person in this room that they would receive before they leave this morning... Just really believe that Jesus has something for every single person in this room. It's almost like he's walking around and he's giving out gifts, exactly what you need. And all you have to do is receive. So Jesus, we open up our hearts right now to receive what you have to give us. For some of you, the gift seems really big. It seems like, is this really for me? For some of you, it seems really small and you're like, is this it, God? But he knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly what he's created you to do and so trust him with whatever it is that he is giving to you. And Don't look at the person next to you and think, well, that person's got this and I've only got that or because he knows you intricately and he only holds us accountable with what he's given us. And so Jesus, I pray this morning that we would all receive exactly what you have for us, Jesus. That we would trust that you know what's best and for us and that we just lean into you more because we can do nothing Nothing without you. Nothing at all without you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We receive from you, Jesus. Oh, God. I know Jesus is absolutely amazing. Like, you could just sit here forever in his presence and it would be enough. Like, he's so wonderful. And I just want to encourage you this morning. If. If, if Jesus isn't the reason that you are here, just ask him to give you that desire, because it will make all the difference. It will make all the difference. Because once you see him, once you've tasted, once you've known him, everything else pales in comparison. And so our journey is all about being more connected with him, coming to know him more and more and more and see him more and more and become more and more like him and understand who he is. And and when we understand who he is, we see ourselves in the light of him. And as we love him, we love one another, and we love the world around us. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, connection with the world around us. So let's go to John chapter 3. I'm using my phone Bible today, which is very weird for me, but um, I much prefer paper, but I have an ESV Bible currently, and I I want to preach from the NIV, so if you know any good NIV Bibles out there, send me some links, because I'm struggling to find one that's pretty enough. I know, it's important to me that a Bible is pretty, I know, so I might be quite shallow, but (laughs) it's important. John chapter 3 from verse 1. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter the second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe, how then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses was lifted up, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world. That he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. And this is the verdict Anchored in this amazing conversation with Jesus and Nicodemus late in the night when he's trying to find out the truth is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son to save us and not to condemn us. John, in particular, in the writers, is so concerned about the world. That particular word, world, he writes it, like, I think it's over 70 times in this gospel and then in other writings as well. And it can be quite confusing because in one sentence, John says, God loves the world. And then in another sentence, um, John says, if you don't love the world, if you love the world, then the love of God is not in you. So what exactly is he saying? Do we love the world? Do we not love the world? Which one is it? But there isn't a conflict here because the way Jesus loves the world, and when we say world, the Greek word is cosmos, and it's about uh, uh, the, the realm of hum- where humanity exists. So not the physical earth you can touch, not the trees and not the birds, not the sand and the seas, but the realm in which humanity exists, the order in which we function. That's where Jesus stepped into to redeem. So he loves humanity so much that he gave himself for it. But we are called out of the world, not to live in the systems and the way of the world, but the way of the kingdom. Yeah. And so it's, a, it's an unseen reality, and it's really important that we grasp that, that when we think about the world, this unseen reality where we exist, the, the, the culture, the thinking, the things that influence our thoughts, you can't see them, you can't see a thought. But there's a realm where that that functions. And the scripture tells us that that realm, because the earth is fallen, is under the influence of the prince of the air, which is the devil. And so Jesus comes to pull us out of under the influence of the enemy into the kingdom of his marvelous light. For God so loved humanity, he did not want them to continue living in a fallen state, under darkness, under bondage, imprisoned by the enemy, But he conquered the enemy by sacrificing. That's why the blood of Jesus is so powerful. Because Jesus strips away the power of the enemy by sacrificing himself. So we are no longer under the authority of the devil. We're in the kingdom of God, living under the authority of Jesus Christ. And he gives us life. And life in all abundance. That's what it means when Jesus comes to love the world. So Jesus loves the world into redemption. He doesn't love the world system to come and be like the world. Jesus was the complete opposite of the world, and that's the only way he saves it. And so he calls us, just as he became incarnate into the world, to also be incarnate in the world, but not of the world. Yeah. We have to function in it, loving it to redemption, in order to see many people set free into, out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his marvelous light. Now, So many metaphors Jesus uses to talk about the kingdom and the people of the kingdom. Salt, light, um, leaven, yeast it is. Now, I don't know about you, but if you have salt on the table and it doesn't actually touch your food, it's not going to make a difference. If you have um, yeast and you don't actually mix it into the flour, it's not going to actually rise. If you have a light, a lamp, and you hide it in a room somewhere, it's not going to have an effect where it's supposed to have an effect. And so we are called to be salt and light and yeast to have an impact in the world. But in order to do that, we actually have to touch the world. We have to touch the people that God has called us to touch. We cannot do it from a distance. We cannot stand off and just, yeah, you should. this is what you really should do. Because that's not what Jesus did. Jesus, God Almighty, who exists outside of eternity, chose to limit himself to a human body. Think about that for a second. He didn't have to, but he chose the way I'm going to save humanity is to step into their realm, to become one of them forever. Jesus still has a human body. He has a heavenly resurrected body, but he still has, he still has scars. He, and for all eternity, he'll have that. It, it won't go away. It doesn't, it's not like job done, they disappear. He will always carry... The scars and the wounds of the sacrifice. It's such a beautiful picture of his love. And it's, 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 it's a selfless, selfless love. A selfless love that he gave everything. He left glory to die the most shameful death ever. But it's because he loved us. And he calls us to do the same. To selflessly selflessly insert ourselves into the world of people's lives and love them into redemption. Love them into the kingdom. But we only are able to do that if we actually, actually touch them. In First Peter 3 verse 15 it says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason, to give you the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And so there's an expectation that my life is supposed to provoke questions. If my life does not provoke questions, then I'm living more like the world than I am of the kingdom. I'm supposed to look different. I remember at work once, a few times actually being asked, um, <laughs> someone asked me, like, look and just honestly tell me, do you ever swear? I was like, honestly? No have I ever sworn? Yes. There was one time I was in high school, and <laughs> this is actually quite embarrassing, because I thought I wanted, I wanted to, I don't know, see what it felt like, because I just, I, anyway, it wasn't in me. So I was like, we're having a conversation, f effing this, 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 and it just didn't, I think even the people around me were like, nah, it doesn't suit you. <laughs> It's okay, Lacunto. <laughs> I didn't do it after that. I felt, I felt really icky, actually. Um, I didn't do it after that. The only other time I have sworn was I said a word. I didn't realize it was a swear word. <laughs> and then everyone around me was, like, oh, you're was like, oh, I was like, oh, I didn't actually know what that word." It teaches you. Just be careful what you say. Like, don't be saying stuff you don't know what it actually means. But um, our lives are supposed to provoke questions. Why do you choose to celebrate this holiday and not that holiday? Why do you choose to raise your kids to say, why do you choose to go to church on Sunday and not have a lie-in. Why do you choose to do this if my life isn't provoking questions? One, it's, it's either I'm not living differently enough, or two, I'm not living in proximity enough with, for people to actually ask me questions. And so when, when, we, when we think about the realm of the world, we think about humanity that is not yet has not yet come to the knowledge of Jesus. Is still under the influence of the kingdom of darkness. And so how many people do you know who are not saved? Like, how many many of your friends are not saved? Just think about it for a second. And I'm not saying that you should, like, not have any Christian friends, because that's not right. You need your Christian brothers and sisters. But if there is nowhere where you can pass on what has been given to you in terms of giving someone the opportunity to come to meet Jesus, then we need to rethink our circles Who are we hanging out with? Do I need to go and hang out in some different places? Do I need to make some new friends? Do I need to be more present with the people around me? It was really, not really easy, but it was easier in COVID because you were trapped in one place and suddenly I was like, oh, you've lived next door to me for eight years. Wow, I've never spoken to you before and now I can. But we have a choice to live incarnate and make connections with people around us. So is it that we're not living differently or is it the proximity? It's probably both because we're always being transformed more and more and more into the image of Christ. But to do that and let others see that light shine, I need to walk with them. I need to find some people who are not saved. So for me personally, it's one of the reasons I still work in pharmacy. I work for church, so it's very easy to get stuck in a church bubble because everyone thinks the same, everyone says the same, and, and you can very easily just get stuck in this bubble. But actually... Having friends who don't yet know Jesus keeps me sharp, reminds me that the gospel is still relevant, and actually that there's so many people who still don't know Jesus, so many people who still don't know Jesus. You are light, you are salt, and it's, I think sometimes, you know last week Hoffa did the amazing Slido, Dami was like, you can do the Slido this week, I was like, no, maybe next time, and... It really humbled me some of the answers we gave as to why we don't connect. And, you know, there was stuff on there like anxiety, feeling shy, just not knowing how to connect with people. And these are real things that we experience. But I just want to say that the Lord has not given us a spirit of timidity. He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of sound mind. Now, I'm not saying this to say, to condemn you for being shy, because I've become more shy since the pandemic. I'm not generally quite a shy person, but I have noticed in myself that I'm probably not as quick to speak to someone I don't know. And I'm having to tell myself, that's not who you are. Because God has not given me a spirit of fear, but he's given me a spirit of power, of love, and of sound mind. And so like said, what the said, it's like the tape we're allowed to play in our head. Remind ourselves of the truth. Um, because we can begin to live out live out the lie that we've believed when actually that's not who God has called us to be. And so allow the Holy Spirit to tear out those lies and choose to listen to what he said. He's not given you a spirit of timidity. He hasn't. He hasn't given you fear. If you have fear, it didn't come from him. He didn't give it to you. He doesn't want you to have it. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He came so that we have life and life abundance. So if you've partnered with fear in this room right now, um, Jesus, I just break that in the name of Jesus. Oh God, for for everything, uh, pandemic or not pandemic, where fear has crept in and and told us a lie, that that, that's just the way we are and and maybe we just operate differently, we root it out, we pull it out in Jesus' name. For you have not given us a spirit of fear of power of love and of sound mind. And we release your love because your love is the opposite of fear. We release your love right now in Jesus' name. (laughs) We release your love. And when you are full of the love of Jesus, you don't have to try to love people because we love because he first loved us. So if you're struggling to love people, don't try harder to love people. Allow God to love you more. Or allow his love to sink in more because he can't love you. He loves you more than you'll ever know. But if you're struggling, just rest in his love more. When you understand how much he loves you, his love will just come out. It will just radiate. You won't have to try. But again, proximity, just like Jesus did. Proximity with the outcasts of society. Even the, 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 the richest of the richest, the poorest of the poorest, Jesus was there. And you just let it flow out the thing is sometimes we get nervous and maybe shine anxious because we haven't memorized the script of the gospel. And I know it's helpful to like practice, you know, two minute preach thing, elevator pitch thing, how can you share the gospel in 30 seconds? But the issue is sometimes we're so well rehearsed that we we end up saying something and then thinking we've done the job um, and the person is kind of like, okay. And in the moment it's past. I'm like, oh phew, yeah, I did it. Now it's great. I've done that a number of times. I'm like, I did it, Jesus. And I feel like just, well done. Okay, you <laughs> <He> did something. <laughs> um, but actually, when you see Jesus encounter people, he kind of almost starts from where they're at. So it's not always the same pitch. He doesn't start from the same place with everybody because he actually listens to them and tells them stuff about them that they did, they didn't, no one else knows, because he sees them truly. And so we bring what we have because we have, we have Jesus, not because we have a script, but because we actually have Jesus. And that's what I have to offer, who I have to offer. And it makes, it makes all the difference because then I'm not worried about saying the right thing because I carry the right person. And the truth is a person. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So love Jesus. Spend time with Jesus, because when you spend time with Jesus, people will see him in your eyes. Sure, we all know those people who just spend so much time with Jesus, you look at their eyes and they're piercing, and you just know that this person is a friend of Jesus. And that's what I long for. That's what I long for more and more for myself. I long, I long that it won't just be words, because anyone can say impressive words, but it's the power of the love of Jesus. It's the power of the love of Jesus that brings about the change. And so I was speaking to someone and he was telling me a story about, he was at a wedding and he was dancing with one of his, um, I think it was the the couple's child. And he had her on his feet and he was looking into her eyes and he said, this is his words. He said it was, he's not a Christian yet, but I'm praying for him for a long time. And he said, it felt like a spiritual experience. I felt the love parents have for their child and I just wanted the best for her and I would fight for her and I'd do anything for her. And in that moment, the Lord just, you know, he prompted me and then just said to him, I said, you know, the exact same way you feel about that child, that's the way God feels about you, but even more. And he just stopped and he looked at me and then I carried on, I said something else and he stopped for while, and then he said, thanks Lou, you're a good one. And we carried on the rest of the day. <laughs> He's not yet saved as far as I know. But out of all my experiences of sharing the gospel with people, that one felt, I don't know, the nicest, the realest, the the most genuine, because it was about God meeting him in a moment, using me. Through me, the Lord met him in a moment, not because of something I'd rehearsed. Now, you must know the word of God. You must know the gospel. You must know the story, because don't come up with another gospel. That's not powerful. But, you know... It's just wrong. Um, but when it's in you and you know it, it, that's what will come out. When we know Jesus and we see Him, and we can meet people in the moment, and so and so, here's where I want to land. And I'm gonna gonna going we'll, we'll we'll wrap it up. We'll see. Don't play the music yet. Um, but but having 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 Jesus and carrying Jesus and and looking to Jesus to connect with Him, so that we can connect with others because He's what people need and he's what we need because he's the source is everything to to our mission to our discipleship to connecting with the world and so just like Judas said earlier you know jesus he sits at the right hand of god and he makes intercession for us after after i spoke to um, this guy and I, I was feeling so great i was like oh gosh your presence is here, jesus i'm so glad to be used by you and then the lord said look under this isn't the end I said, oh, okay, well, well, what's next? He said, now you need to intercede. Now, this has never happened to me before, not in this way. Because usually I'm like, oh, I shared the gospel, good, I did it. Now I go home and the nerves are like, you know, because it's nerve-wracking, especially at work. Um, and he was like, Look, now you need to intercede, now the work begins. And I was like, oh. And the Lord said to me, you can't just, or well, you shouldn't, just throw something out there and then walk away and leave it. But actually, I need you to stand in the gap for his salvation. I need you to pray and to really pray that he will come to know me. Because if you think your job was done then, then you've missed the bigger picture. If Jesus lives forever to make intercession for us, forever, the Holy Spirit is interceding for us because he knows the will of the Father. And we have him and we are called to live like him. Then we are called to intercede for our brothers and sisters, and for those who don't yet know Jesus. And so the Lord told me, intercede. And Judith brought a great message, maybe a couple of years ago. Pray for the one. Get that one person and keep praying. How many times, just like that, do we pray One, twice, three times maybe, and then stop? Because I think God's not doing it. There's so many scriptures, there's so many like passages of scripture where people do things a number of times and they think, ah, stop now. And Jesus was angry. You only struck the arrow on the ground three times. If you kept striking it, I would have done something greater. Why did you stop? Who told you to stop? Who told you to stop? Keep pressing in. When the Lord says, ask, seek, and knock. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. You know those things are not the same. Sometimes we think it's just three different ways of saying the same thing. But asking is, dif- is different from seeking, is different. Come on! Where are you, Jesus? They are different. And Jesus is saying, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, because what is at stake is what I gave my life for. And it is the gospel. This is people's eternal salvation. It is them coming to the knowledge of Jesus and living the life that I paid and I, I ordained for them. So keep asking, Lucundo, keep seeking, keep knocking, and he will come to know me. D.L. Moody, a famous American evangelist, prayed daily for 100 people, 100 list of people, friends, he knew, to come to know Jesus. 96 of them came to know the Lord in his lifetime, the last four at his funeral. Every day he prayed for 100 people. And the thing is, the, the powerful thing about our prayers is that they outlive us. They came to know him after he was dead. But he continued to seek the Lord. And I'm like, wow, God, so many times I think it's what is external that people see that makes the impact. But actually it is when I close the door and I go behind and I get on my knees and I say, Jesus, let your kingdom come. That is what makes the difference before anything I say, before anything I do, before appearing like someone who's passionate about mission. And I tell you that is a temptation as a preacher. Because I have to give examples of my own life, <laughs> and I have to be able to say I did this and I did that, because otherwise I'm not living it. But the Lord has really challenged me to say, "Look no, it's not enough to just be appearing to do the thing on the outside, but to intercede and pray, keep knocking, keep. And I will supernaturally intervene in people's lives in the present and when you're, when you're dead and gone. As you can. How many people are the fruit of the prayers of grandmas and grandpas? Yeah, yeah. Really yeah, How many? I know I am. <laughs> I know I am. Jesus prayed that he would not take us out of the world. God would not take us out of the world but protect us from the evil one. There is a very, 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 very real battle for people's lives. Very, very, very real. Again, this is I talk he translates us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And the scripture tells us that the people living in the darkness don't want to step into the light. And much rather prefer to be living outside of the will of god and so that's where the wrestle is the scripture says we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities powers and rulers of darkness in heavenly places he tells us to put on the full armor of god and then right at the end of that put on the full armor of god and in verse 18 he says and pray in the spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Keep on praying. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crop. He prayed, he was on that mountain, he prayed. He looked up, is there a cloud? Nothing yet, I'll pray again. He prayed, sent his servant, is there any clouds? I'll pray again. He looked up, I think it was about seven times he sent his servant out. He just keep praying, just keep praying, keep knocking, keep seeking. And then he saw a tiny, tiny cloud and he ran. It's like, it's happened. I'm going, now I'm running, it's happened. I've won the wrestle in the spirit, and I'm going to see it outwork and manifest in the physical. That's the order, guys. That's the order that it happens. Jesus gave his disciples authority. And I think sometimes we we can we can confuse control with authority. I think we we can kind of settle into, well I can't control what people do. I can't make them come to the faith, and that is true. We cannot control what people do. But the Lord has given you authority in the spirit to pull down strongholds to pray against the things that would prevent people from coming into the knowledge of Jesus Christ and so we cannot step into complacency because we feel we're powerless because again that's a lie he didn't say you're powerless he says I have given you spirit of power I've given you authority but it's not authority to lord over people it's authority to lord over the reign of the enemy who have already crushed under my feet, so you just have to outwork it. You just have to outwork it. Like, we're all... <laughs> Jesus has already won. We just have to outwork it. This is why it's good news. This is why it's good news. You don't have to strive in our own strength, but we just press in to the victory that He's already won. Oh God. Oh yeah, just open our eyes to see that. The victory you've already won. Help us to outwork it as your kingdom agents. Because whether we realize it or not, there are two kingdoms. There is no middle ground. And by virtue of being in the kingdom of heaven, we are at war with the kingdom of darkness. But the kingdom of heaven has already won. He's already won. He's already won. won. Guys, do you want to come up again? Okay. And so Jesus says, um, or Peter says, 2 Peter 3 verse 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some to understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I think the reason Jesus hasn't come back yet is because the work isn't finished. <laughs> if the work was finished and the bride is ready, we wouldn't be here because Jesus will come back. He's not slow, but he's patient. And he's like, there's still more. There's still more lost sheep. You still need to go. And he didn't leave us on, his own, on our own, but he gave us his spirit. And you know in scripture, there's that scripture in Revelation said, the spirit and the bride say, come, Lord Jesus. The spirit on earth is longing for Jesus' return. The bride is longing for Jesus' return. But he will only come back when it's all done. And so there's still more for us to do. There's still more that he wants to do. But he's given us of his spirit. Let's, let's stand to our feet because we're going to respond And as we close out. I, I, for those of us who hear the word intercession and think that's not me because intercession means praying for like five hours at a time and fasting all the time and, you know, we have in our minds this thing that it looks like. But all intercession means is to do something on someone's behalf. That's it. On someone else's behalf. To stand in the gap and say, Lord Jesus, you love this person. You love them so much. And I want your perfect will for them. And and I believe that pleases the heart of God so much. You know, the Bible says that he rewards what we do in secret. He rewards it. Oh, Jesus. God, thank you that you, Jesus, you live to make intercession for us. Thank you that even when we're not aware and when we forget, you're always praying for us. And there's so many things in our life that happen as as a result of you praying for us. And, And Lord, we ask you to help us be those who spend our lives interceding for others we ask you to make us a people a body of intercessors who will not stop knocking who will not stop seeking who will not stop asking for people's lives to be redeemed and lord that as we do that and then we step into those places and have proximity we will see your spirit move through us in ways we could never even imagine because we've gone the right way around we've gone to you first And we've asked you to intervene. So Jesus, I pray that you would surprise us this week. I pray you surprise us. Just give us amazing encounters as we seek your face with people. Even small glimpses to see how you want to work in us. And the unique settings that you've put us in. You've not put any one of us where we are by accident. And there are people that only we can reach because of where we are. And we know it's not by our human effort. It's by your spirit. So Jesus, give us the grace to tarry with you. Give us the grace to yield to your spirit so that we will see many, many people come to know you and we connect with the world around us in Jesus' name. Amen. So We're going to sing. The team are going to lead us. Just allow Jesus to break your heart right now with the things that break his. And allow him to reorient Our posture and position to him, which will then outflow to the world around us. In Jesus' name.